You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Hey all, Katherine here. And Christy and I totally forgot to record the intro last week between everything that was going on. Uh, she's got some crazy things going on in her real estate business right now. And then we did a big Olympic marathon trials watch party for Feisty in Seattle, which occupied me Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So totally forgot. Just got a message from our podcast editor, Lindsay, saying, uh, did you record an intro? And it's Monday at... 9 a.m. The podcast is usually done by now. So just to let you know, we had a great conversation today with uh, Scotty Moody. And I wanted to chat with Scotty because I'd heard from a couple of folks, Scotty included, um, about just the lack of women signing up for bigger, longer events. I've also been talking to the guys at Trans Rockies Gravel Royale, who have a great event up in Canada. Uh, that our podcast editor, Lindsay, has actually done. And um, so we just wanted to chat with a coach a little bit more about how do you train, what are some ways that you can train up for something, whether it's a multi-day event or you're taking on a long gravel event. I'm still contemplating doing that 100-miler at Rebecca's Private Idaho. This summer, I haven't done a 100-miler in quite a while. So wrapping my head around that with a busy life and other priorities as well. Um, I'm right there with you. So I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. It's fun to catch up with Scotty and hear the things that have changed in her life and just her decision to retire from racing and um, some big shifts that she's had in her personal life over the last few years. So I think you're really going to enjoy that. Just as a reminder, if you did not see the post, go to our Instagram account. We are gathering a group at Rebecca's Private Idaho. It's very casual. Um, We're going to be doing some group rides. There'll be some other stuff that we come up with. But if you're looking just for a community of women, an epic adventure, this something, something really fun to do, come out and join us at Rebecca's Private Idaho. I would guess there's probably 20 to 30 women uh, that are signed up so far. There is a uh, discount code that is linked in the there's a reel and in the show notes from last week's episode with Rebecca. So you can save 20% if you come out and join us. It's a little bit of a funky code, so I'm not going to try to say it on here. But uh, I think you're going to enjoy this one with Scotty. I think it's going to be full of a lot of practical tri- tips. And hopefully, Christy and I will both be back next week. Hey, all. It's your editor, Lindsay, here. I want you to get ready to ante up for the Ultimate Gravel Challenge this summer. Join us at the 2024 Trans Rockies Gravel Royale, where adventure awaits in the breathtaking Canadian Rockies. Experience the thrill of a unique three-day stage race surrounded by stunning scenery on secluded gravel roads in the British Columbia backcountry. With two distance options, the full pint or half pint distances, there's a challenge for every level of rider. And forget about logistics, Trans Rockies has you covered. Fully supported with tents, meals, aid stations, technical support, and even massage services. So all you have to do is focus on the ride. 
You'll stay at the picturesque Nipica Mountain Resort, nestled in the heart of the Rockies, and celebrate your achievements with daily podium awards, group dinner, and custom design memorabilia. After the ride, you can unwind at Chillville with cold refreshments, music, games, and camaraderie with your fellow riders. Don't miss out on this epic adventure. Register now at transrockiesgravelroyale.com and use the code GGG24GR100 to save $100 off your entry. The link and discount codes will be in the show notes of this episode. Embrace the challenge, conquer the gravel, and create memories that will last a lifetime. So go all in with us for Trans Rockies Gravel Royale this August. All right. Well, we have another return guest this week. And I love um, it when we have return guests. I know. It's fun. It's kind of fun to catch up. Catch up. <laughs> uh, we have Scotty Moody, who you may have known before as Scotty Lechuga, uh, but has had some big life changes since we last chatted with you. Yes, I'm super happy and yeah, excited to be back. It's been a while. I know. And technically, it, is, it has been a while. You're a newlywed, right? Yes. I think I've been married going on two and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> and it's wonderful. So uh, all good changes in my in my realm. Awesome. And you are living in Bentonville now? Like in Bentonville? Yeah, still in Northwest Arkansas and still working within the cycling space, not racing as much, but still coaching and kind of working on the event side of things now, which has been a fun transition for me. That's cool. So if people don't know you, we've had you on the podcast mm-hmm. before, they can go back and find that episode. Mm-hmm. And then you also uh, coached our first Scrabble camp. Mm, um, yes. And uh, really had your toe well, not just dipped, you were quite in the endurance cycling space yeah. for a while. And uh, one of your last big races, I think you outright, yeah. outright won the, my yeah, brain is working tw- today, the Arkansas, <laughs> what is that thing called? High country. That's all right. The high country. Yeah. I had a great career starting out in UCI pro road racing and did that for a while and then entered the gravel and multi-endurance uh, or multi-day endurance space in 2019 and got to go to some really cool self-supported bikepacking style races, um, Silk Road Mountain Race. Um, I did come do Unbound XL in 2022 for the first time. That was great. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm 41 now. I just turned 41 and I feel good about being on kind of the tail end of what I consider competitive career. So it's been a neat thing to step back from that, but still feel very much a part of the community that I'm in here and also be able to have different outlets for that energy with whether it's coaching or the Arkansas Gravelers, the event that I'm planning now. So yeah, there's still lots of room to explore the cycling space. Lots of room. <laughs> lots so, especially here in it's Northwest not just Arkansas. one track <laughs> yeah yeah That's it's interesting because so we just had a Rebecca Rush on the podcast I was just listening to the episode to pull quotes um in the mm. car on the way home from the gym and one of the I asked her hey, what's your hope for the future of women in cycling and so she was like oh there's so much great stuff happening she's like but I do want to see more women step up into leadership and event directing and because that's the space that we have so much opportunity to grow and so you're doing that. Yes. Yeah, it's happening. 
It's funny you mentioned that. I just got an invitation from People for Bikes in Northwest Arkansas today for a women's leadership in cycling luncheon. And I think it's a space that people are aware needs attention and also kind of, you know, we're bolstering each other when we get together and just talk about ideas and opportunities within that leadership space. So I'm excited to attend that next week. And um, yeah. Yeah. Did you see that report that came out? Uh, I think it was in December that 71% of women were in the industry were considering leaving in the cycling industry. We're considering. Leaving. I did see you guys publish that. Yeah. That that's gnarly. I mean, I get it too. It, it can kind of eat you alive in some ways, <laughs> you know? Um, I feel like it is still, uh, an interesting, uh, an interesting field to be in as a woman, you know? Um, a lot of room to grow for sure. Yeah. You and Christy have the both being event directors with twins. <laughs> That's gotta be, a... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, true. yours are grown now, Christy, yeah. but you were, yeah. they were young when you were still. Oh, when I started, they were eight. So yeah, yeah. I'm just behind. I'm like, my boys are 12 now yeah. and it's a lot, you know, working and momming and <laughs> still having an adult life of some kind it's yeah and I think it's just such a cool example for kids anyway to see their mother step up in leadership roles in in any space not in any industry mm -hmm. so yeah mm -hmm. it's good stuff. totally yeah thanks yeah thanks for sharing <laughs> well um I wanted to pick your brain first of all we'll tell people what the Arkansas Graveler event is um and then I wanted there's some specific things I wanted to pick your brain more as a coach so we haven't done a coaching mm -hmm. conversation in quite a long time yeah. but it's like oh this is a good time of year to just talk to a coach and kind of get some yes tips. it's such a good time of year to be surrounding yourself with anything that inspires you because it's in my opinion the hardest time to to get motivation and so um, so the Arkansas Graveler is a six day gravel festival, I'm calling it. Um, it's not a race. This event is more of a chance to celebrate kind of the natural treasures in, in Arkansas, some of our untapped roads and communities that are um, kind of just waiting to be discovered. And within the experience, you know, it's a hard ride. It's six days of riding back to back. This is no small feat. Um, at the end of it, you'll have done 340 miles. So it's a huge ride. But within the framework of this ride, we are offering full support. So we transport items from place to place. It's this a point to point experience. And so you get to see new roads every day. You get your things brought to the finish line for you. We have Chef Bijou Thomas feeding people every day. So the food's going to be amazing. Um, live music every night. And we're partnering with our, uh, we call them the Game and Fish Commission in Arkansas to do some off the bike fun things. And so while the ride is in a competition, we're going to have these fun, friendly competitions off the bike with things like small mouth bass fishing or archery. We're even gonna have clay shooting one night. So you're gonna get to experience outdoor recreation in a unique way. Um, and we've just kind of thrown everything that we love about the gravel community into this event without the racing aspect. Um, so I'm I am sad that I am not going to get to ride in my own event because uh, I think it's gonna <laughs> be have to so be all fun. Coordinating <laughs> for six oh my yeah. gosh, coordinating stuff for six days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the format of it is, is, 
so much like an adult summer camp just with bikes, you know? And yes, the pedaling part is not the easiest. I mean, if you girls have ridden in Arkansas, you know that the climbing is, is real. Um, and so it's a challenging adventure. You can bring friends, do it together. And uh, I can't wait to see it. This is the first year. So 2024 is the inaugural year. And we're going from Fayetteville to Jonesboro. What kind of distances each day are you looking at? Are they relatively the same? Or do you have some shorter days and some bigger days? How are you breaking that up? Yeah, some shorter and bigger days, depending on the elevation gain. Um, so our shortest okay. day is 45. The longest day is 75. But the 75 day is completely flat. Whereas the 45 day, oh man, it's a doozy. <laughs> oh. So the way I looked at breaking up the course is I wanted people to not be on their bikes for just hours and hours and hours. And so I tried to split it into how much time is this going to take? So a hefty climbing route will take people the same amount in 45 miles as probably 70 miles on a flat day. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that. And then the, uh, honestly, I, I chose the host cities this year based on who was excited to welcome us in. There are some rural communities mm. within Arkansas who are stoked that this event is coming through their community and they're offering volunteers, they're offering school gymnasiums as a backup plan if we have bad weather. I mean, they're just coming together from their chambers and their leaders in their communities to help support. And in that sense, we have kind of patterned after RAGBRAI where you have this touring format where the communities are open and welcoming to cyclists. And we get this chance to dialogue and interface with the locals in those rural communities that maybe don't see as many cyclists throughout the year yeah so that part is exciting I love the idea of these formats because it's like bikepacking but then you don't have to move all mm -hmm. your stuff yeah <laughs> somebody else to, or <laughs> figure out how to feed yourself somebody else does exactly. all that for you <laughs> mm -hmm. yep that's exactly what it is um so if you're kind of a purist who loves to just be out there for the sake of the ride and really enjoy the scenery if you love to stop and take pictures, this is kind of for you guys because it's not a race and we don't care how fast you finish it every day. <laughs> how many cyclists are you hoping to see join you for the inaugural year? Yeah, we've capped the registration at 300 for year one and we're over two thirds there. And so we have oh, some room and that's part of why I wanted to, you know, jump in with you guys is because I want to see more female participation. That was one of my goals from the get-go with being the event director for this event. Right now we're about 70, 30% on male female distribution. And so um, I'd really love to fill up these remaining spots with more women. So whatever I can do to encourage women or, you know, take down any barriers to entry for those who have questions, you know, I want to be kind of an open book to anybody considering a multi-day endurance ride like this. Well, you talking about that really kind of leads me to the question of like, what, <clears throat> it can seem overwhelming. Obviously you're talking mm -hmm. about six days on the bike. So what, what are some of your tips that you think could help navigate that and, and kind of ease people's minds on attempting something that big? Yeah, I think a really good starting place is taking into consideration our distances are anywhere between 45 and 75 miles. One, are you comfortable with doing that duration in a single day ride? It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be a fast ride. It's just the confidence of knowing that you can get from point A to point B comfortably 
and then we can help you recover and do it again the next day. But, you know, to prepare for that, a lot of people think, oh, I have to do these massive, you know, huge rides on the weekends. And it's actually more about doing the day to day. It's better to chip away at consistency Monday through, you know, Sunday and do something every day than it is to not ride all week because you're, you know, busy or whatever, and then try and pack in a six hour day on Saturday. It just, it stimulates a different type of fatigue in the body. And if you are committed to building some consistency from day to day, you can really make huge gains in the course of, I mean, we still have five months before this thing rolls out. Huge gains can be made just in logging 45 to 60 minutes a day, you know, four or five days a week. And then, yeah, of course, you want to go explore some new roads and do some long rides on the weekends where you have time. But I think people overthink the amount that's needed um, in preparation. It's more about just doing it as consistently as you can. And that builds incredible efficiency. And I'm guessing there's lots of group rides and whatnot that as well. I mean, in, in Northwest Arkansas, obviously that's true. Yeah. There's lots of group rides. Um, would you suggest that in other communities, finding group rides to kind of help you get out oh, there yeah. and, and hold you accountable? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, last I checked, we have about 30 States represented in our ride so far, oh, which is awesome. So I can't speak to the cycling, you know, support in every community, but anything you can do to build yourself some, like you said, accountability, some structure, something to look forward to. Um, ultimately, preparing for something like this should still be fun. You know, it mm-hmm. should be something you're looking forward to. And so implementing group rides, um, anything that, you know, stimulates you to get out there after work. It's dark right now after work. If it's if it's buying a trainer, maybe that's a good investment for you if you're under snow right now or you know, joining Zwift or a platform where you can jump in with friends or anything really that helps you connect with other people and chip away at those goals. Um, I wrote a 20 week program for people in the graveler, um, just to have something to follow, just Mm. to not have that question mark of like, what do I do today? Um, it's like, here's what you can do, (laughs) you know, and you don't have to have a huge, huge chunk of time. Like I said, um, just little bits and pieces put together are going to build the fitness that you need. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that consistency. Um, mm-hmm. have a, so, and I do think like we're talking about your specific event, like the six days, but I, I think like, it's still like, it's often a barrier just if somebody's like, well, there's that hundred mile ride, but I don't know how to mm. train for that and sign up for it. Right. And like, yes. sometimes like a hundred miles can be as intimidating, intimidating as six a six day. And it is like, yeah, so much of it is just consistency yeah. on the bike. Um, so I had some questions about that. So, yeah. uh, cause it's interesting. We have a group of people from my gym actually, that are going to do the Seattle to Portland ride. So it's a 200 mile ride mm-hmm. and it's put me way back in newbie space because a lot of people, this is the first time they're doing any kind of like long event yeah, um, or riding more than 30 miles. Um, but it, like, how would you break that? If you, if you were like, let's look at an ideal training week. Like you don't just get mm-hmm. on the bike and ride every day, right? Like what different kinds of workouts <laughs> do you like to give athletes to help that? Cause you know, and, and I think the other, well, I won't get to my other thing. 
yet, but I'll ask you that first, like different types of workouts that people can do if like, especially if they're on a trainer in the winter Absolutely. or, or even like a stationary bike, you can train on that. It's not ideal, but it's better than nothing. Yes. One of the, the cheapest things and the best things that you can do for yourself if you're new to training is investing in a heart rate monitor. Um, so, you know, whether it's a chest strap or even if you're, the watches are not quite as good at real time, um, relay of numbers, but heart rate values can really help. And the reason that is, is because you can set zones for yourself. And I know everyone's kind of familiar with the concepts of like base training and intervals and things like that. But say you can't afford a power meter and you have no intention to run off of that type of data, heart rate is the next best thing. And I would, I would argue just as good at setting some personal parameters within your training. Um, and so with heart rate, a lot of people will just get on the bike and they'll ride the same speed every time. They're just like, I'm going to get my workout in. I'm going to pedal. There's really not much more than that. Well, and there is, you can stimulate, you know, fat burning potential, you can um, stimulate different different systems within your body as you train within different heart rate zones. And there's so much information now on the internet that if you have the heart rate monitor, you can you can glean some really great tips and tricks from coaches all around who have put together some heart rate based training. So that is a really great way and a, a low cost option to utilize better you know time within your say you are a time crunched person you're going to get more out of that hour if you have some structured heart rate based training in there. Um, another thing that I like to give people, especially within gravel cycling is low cadence work. And the reason hmm. that is, is because Arkansas is very hilly. And so for the people that are getting in on the Arkansas graveler training program, I'm having them do low cadence to build their resistance to hill climbing whether or not you have an actual hill, you can stimulate, we call it strength endurance. So you put a higher load and a lower RPM and your legs are just mimicking that climbing feel. And what that does to people who don't practice it much, when they get on a climb, they'll have lower back pain sometimes. Um, they'll, mm. they'll hold their bodies in a different position than they normally would on a flat road. And so the lower cadence starts to work those supplemental muscle groups that maybe you don't pay attention to when you're just spinning at your normal, your normal, you know, flow. And so I do quite a bit of low cadence prep for, for climbing events. And that really helps. Yeah. I have a kicker, but I don't have a cadence meter on my bike. Um, and, but the cheat that I do is I go on Spotify and if it's like, yeah, I'll get, I'm. I'll just like search playlist 120 beats a minute. So it's like yeah. 60 RPM and yeah. just like do the beat of my. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So like you could just take whatever cadence, like if the thing is like 60, you know, your cadence is 60, you just find the double the beats per minute and you just like, you know, spin to it. Yeah. I, I was that. an instructor once upon a time, like 10 years ago. So <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like non, if you, or if you're doing an outside workout and you're, Cause I have seen a lot of people when I used to coach like at our indoor cycling studio that when it was locate, like big gear, low cadence work, I was like, that's, mm-hmm. you're just going 80 RPMs and you normally ride 85 RPMs. Right. <laughs> you're not really. Cadence. This is yeah. more like 60. 
And, and yes, there's, there is such a thing as too much of that, you know, you don't want to get on that gear all day. So the idea is to pair that low cadence with the correct heart rate zones. And that's, that's where the coaching can help is someone's thinking about that for you and not, you don't have to figure it all out. But um, yes, I mean, there is great application that can, I mean, you can do a low cadence workout in an hour and feel like you've really gotten in a solid workout on a Tuesday night, you know? So what's your opinion on how trainer miles or trainer time? <laughs> that was another of my outdoor time. Well, that's I mean, so good. You always get it right. Like I was, I was mm-hmm. doing an indoor trainer ride the other day and I was like, really what I want right now is a downhill. <laughs> yeah there's no coaching and, you know, on the I'm trainer like, it's yeah but so uh, you know what? there's so funny. many different opinions on that I'm just wondering what you think oh totally um I I love the trainer for the efficiency factor people mm-hmm. will pedal more in one hour on the trainer than they will on the road 100 percent however what you don't develop on the trainer is this yeah. <laughs> like the jarring the muscles that support your upper body and your core. Those are what get really tired after a long day on the gravel roads. And it's because your upper body is your suspension system and it's helping you take some of the pressure off your saddle and your feet and other areas of touch points on the bike. So when you're on the trainer, you don't build up any core or upper body muscles like you would when you ride on the road. So, um, you know, if you are inbound, I mean, sorry, indoors, um, for the winter, you know, hit your core work, do some planks, you know, encourage that upper body and core to still be an active part of your cycling experience. Yeah. Well, and I would think that's really important for a, a ride like this anyway, is to keep your mm. strength work up because if you're getting on the saddle day to day, like that's where your back mm. can start to get tight. You're, exactly. You know, like, and you, yes. the stronger your core is, the, and your core is also your back. Like people, yeah, everything from your, um, basically your shoulders to your yeah hips or your core so mm-hmm. um so I true think, um is there so i and my friend who just started writing um is on zwift and he's like i just write on zwift and I, I we were talking about stuff and i was like oh well i i don't only do workouts on zwift like i rarely just ride like if i'm gonna ride long i go outside uh-huh. and so what's the, like can you talk about the then you talked about that a little bit the interval but like <clears throat> I just find like you get so much more bang for your buck <laughs> and it's more fun, right? If you're doing interval mm-hmm. training and stuff, do you have like a favorite interval workout that you give athletes or <laughs> something? I, I you're like, <laughs> I, you might not want to do this one. <laughs> 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 That's what that laugh sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have a workout that I call Ripperita. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And the, the intention is it's so hard that you have to go have a margarita after the Ripperita. Um, oh no, you should like totally I, um, uh, trademark that. Scotty Ripperita. <laughs> no, I don't pull that one out too, too often. But ideally, you have some sort of foundational layer to your riding. And I, I say that because really you only need to make about 20% of your ride time every week hard, hard intervals. The rest of it needs to be kind of foundational so that when you do add the intervals on, you you have a good base built. And a lot of people think um, the opposite about that. They think to get 
good things out of the bike. It has to always be just like hard, 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 go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And so I like to kind of throw that out as a guide, like the 80, 20 principle. Um, if you ride eight hours a week or so, or let's just use 10, um, you know, make seven or eight hours of that base riding. You're training for a long event where you can't hold zone four and five the entire time. That's just not going to happen. So, um, you need to have some intervals in the mix and that's to help you get over the hard hills. That's to help you learn how to go hard and recover multiple times on a very hilly road. But, um, for the most part, like you're, you're more foundational level, what a lot of us call zone two, you know, even newer cyclists have heard of base training and really that is to bolster your endurance ability. And so for a, for an event like this one or a hundred mile ride, you're going to need some endurance ability. You don't want to be at 180 beats a minute for the whole ride. You'll, you'll bonk. You'll have kind of a bad day after a couple hours. <laughs> back on the next day, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it, it sounds counterintuitive, but you have to learn to go slow as well. You have to teach your body how to ride at lower intensities. And for a lot of people, that's difficult because they just want to get on and slay for like 30 minutes straight and just feel like they've sweated and had a great workout. And we have to learn both. You kind of have to walk to learn to run and, you know, crawl before you walk and all those things. Um, I like to say that cycling is just as intricate of a sport as swimming. You know, it's just as intricate as um, a ball sport. There are fine tuned details that we can work on to make us better. It's just that it's not as obvious. Everyone's like, oh, you just, you just pedal and you go forward and you turn sometimes and that's about it. But it really does have a lot of muscle groups playing in a lot of different fitness abilities playing in skills, just like any other sport. So you kind of have to remove yourself from the runner. I call it the runner's mentality. Like I'm just going to put my shoes on and go, which all of us do from time to time. And that's kind of freeing, but you know, if you want to see some growth, it's good to implement some of these structures. I think too, that, and not that this is one switch that I had, like going back to when I, I decided that the time I was spending on the bike, although I was just enjoying it and having fun on the bike, I was like, you know, and I wanted to, to just try to put some effort into training for something. I, w I just decided I need to take this time and make it more productive. I'm already here. I'm already sitting on mm -hmm. the saddle. I'm already doing mm -hmm. the pedaling. So what can I do to kind of improve, improve my skill set and make myself stronger on the bike? And, and that, that was both, that was both like putting in the efforts on intervals, but also doing easy spin days and using rest days and understanding like it's a whole picture and it's a big process and you can't, yeah, you can't just do one thing and, and you can, I mean, that's totally fine mm -hmm. if that's what you're into, but if, if you want to be make yourself a more effective and stronger cyclist, you have to kind of approach it differently and use that time yeah. constructively. So, and constructive exactly. can be rest. So totally. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times new athletes, they'll have the ability to go hard for a set period of time, but what you'll see is over time and with the right practice, they get better at recovering and doing it again and recovering and doing it again. You have to, you have to replicate that in training. Um, you know, I work with some newer cyclists who are just completely, you know, building fitness for the first time. And that's, that concept is foreign to them. They feel like, mm -hmm. 
oh, well, slowing down and doing an easy ride doesn't get me like a quality workout. And it actually does a lot for your body to spin at a recovery rate. It flushes out all the things that you've built up from the entire week. And so you're, you're so right on that. I mean, there's an application for lots of different types of training within this mix. And it's not always the go button. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I told the group when we did our meeting, I was like, because they were getting very in the weeds with all the zones. And I was like, make your easy day easy, easy and your hard days hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, and less hard days than you think you need. Right. Like, um, but I did, you mm-hmm. kind of mentioned this, but that's one of the challenges. Like I've seen a lot of cyclists and I've even seen it in the Facebook group. People are like, I'm not getting any faster. And it is because they're just in that, like you said, just going out and riding the same pace all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You talk a little, uh, that's what we used to always call the gray zone. Like, um, which is fine. Like it's, that could be like your goal. You just enjoy that. But like, if you're looking to get faster, like the challenges of just kind of staying in that gray zone. Yeah. So that happens typically when someone, um, kind of spends most of their ride time at that middle intensity. Like you said, they're not really going easy or stimulating their aerobic capacity, which means like your oxygen present capacity. And they're not really going full on interval mode either. They're just in this steady state and you can hold that for two hours and repeat it um, on any given day. However, what you're not getting is like your body's not learning to work within oxygen. That's what I mean when I say aerobic. That just means your body can use, uh, utilize oxygen. And when you're anaerobic, that means you're going so hard that your body is not able to go through those same aerobic processes. And without getting too scientific, basically, you're not working either of those spectrums. And you're just in this one vein of exercise mode day in and day out, it's like, yeah, you're going to, you're going to experience a plateau at some point, maybe as the cyclist kind of got into cycling, they saw some improvements and then they plateaued and they're like, well, why am I not getting any faster? Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when mm-hmm. you can kind of really make some gains by looking at your week and saying, okay, every time I go out the door, I'm riding at this constant kind of middle of the road pace and I'm not seeing any developments. What can I do next? <laughs> you know? And if you're at that, point it's probably time to structure some of your training and um you know a lot of people think well i'm not getting any faster that might be the case but is your heart rate lower at the same speed that's another thing that i look at for growth factor are you putting out less effort to go 13 miles an hour or 15 miles an hour or whatever it is that's growth it doesn't necessarily always have to be faster to be translated as a growth is improvement yeah. 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 Sarah good point. Gross, who's our CEO at Vice was talking about, we were talking about zone two and um, she was a professional triathlete and she was talking about, yeah, you can run real fast in zone two when you train for it. She's like, they're running Ironmans in zone two. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that, and they're going fast. They're going fast. They're running yeah. like six something minutes. So, mm-hmm. um, but you, so Zone two doesn't like you can train up to that being actually quite fast, depending on how much training you're able to If you're in. disciplined, I mean, those triathletes, let me tell you, they are disciplined in yeah. within that, that window. 
And you'll, I, I ran the experiment on myself just for fun. I hadn't run for ages. And I was like, I'm going to do some trail running. I, trails are so easy to get to here. And I, I put my heart rate strap on and I was like, I'm going to run in zone two and see where that gets me. And at the beginning, I was running so slow. But within just two months, I didn't change my heart rate values. I was running a minute per mile faster mm-hmm. just in a two month turnaround time. And I think people can experience that on the bike if they haven't trained with heart rate yet and they're willing to kind of put in some good time. Um, You can't see any gains within two weeks, but you definitely can within two months. And that can be fun to see. And it it builds some really good awareness too, like self-awareness. I'm going to control my heart rate within this parameter or window. If you can do that, if you can learn to do that, you're going to learn how to how to control your effort better. And even if you're not looking at your heart rate on the day of the event, that information and self-awareness, it can just help you. Yeah. You know, you know, you can feel it. Mm -hmm. You don't need Mm -hmm. to look once you get, once you know it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's what I tell people, like, cause I don't put a power meter on my bike, but I train with Mm -hmm. on Swip and I'm like, but I, cause I know how how it feels then. Yeah. Like, and so I don't have to have it. I'm like, right. oh, we're going too hard or something outside. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think you, I mean, you said it there, Scotty, when you said you took your heart rate monitor on your run. That's the other cool mm-hmm. thing about that piece of equipment over a power meter. A power meter, you can't take on a run and have it be mm-hmm. effective, an effective tool. So yeah. heart rate monitor is a great investment in a fitness capacity from the perspective of it can be used for both. We need to yeah, be, uh, we need this sports. podcast to be sponsored by that new Garmin female heart rate monitor. <laughs> there's, there's a new, I haven't even heard of that. It straps yeah, it, on it to, your... to your bra. Oh, I have heard of that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I saw that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, okay. The other thing, the last thing I wanted to ask you about with this, that is equally as important and you kind of mentioned it, um, but was recovery and kind of knowing, and I think this is another thing people struggle with is like, they get a training plan. They look at a training plan. They're like, I've got to do every single thing on this training plan. Um, and when I used to write training plans, I was like, oh, I kind of know people's lives are going to be busy and I expect them to do about 80% of it. Um, yeah. It was type A. And then like, I would get frustrated with people because they were like, well, I was really sick and my kid was up all night, but I still did my workout. And I was like, and <laughs> I they expected me to be really proud of them. And I was like, why the hell did you do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think we get mm-hmm. this, like, I'm a failure if I don't do every single workout. And how do I know when I should really take time off? Am I just being lazy? Like, how do you like what are some of your suggestions for that for folks that's that's so true we are our own worst critics and sometimes I like to ask myself if I were speaking to a friend right now would I talk to her the way that I am speaking to myself right now um because I'm typically much harder on me than I am on what I expect from anybody else in my life you know and I that seems to be the case with the athletes that I coach, you know, I have several, you know, that I have, it's the same scenario. It's like, no, you should not do your workout. If you're sick, no, you should not do the same workout if you didn't sleep last night or yeah. Um, we have to arrange our training so that it one stays fun two does not add stress to the areas of our real, I call them our real life. Like cycling is fun. Cycling is a hobby. It should, enhance our lives, not create a drain on our lives. And so that's a balance point 
that every individual has to work out for him or herself. And, you know, I think we struggle with that as individuals and it, it kind of takes a village of people sometimes to give you the permission you need to step back and take recovery or just accept that, Hey, I've had the week from hell at work. I actually don't have energy for this right now. And I like to remember that um, emotional stress and physical stress take a toll on our body in the same way. And Mm -hmm. so if you've had an emotionally draining week, you know, a four hour bike ride at 7am on Saturday might not be what you need. Maybe you need to sleep and go for an hour easy spin. And we often don't give ourselves the flexibility to take into the, take into account all the emotional and, you know, mental stressors of our life when it comes to these physical fun things that we like to add in. Um, so, so much to unpack there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Yeah. The wellness um, aspect yes. of, of sport is hard for people who don't even do this for a living. You know, um, we've got, you know, this much percent of our female population who actually can earn a living doing this thing called cycling. And then the, the amount of conversations that I've had with females, they're so hard on themselves. They are so um, eager to, like you said, follow the plan to the T kind of this, like, I gotta do the work. And you're like, no, it's okay. (laughs) And sometimes just having the permission of somebody else to say, um, actually rest would be the most beneficial thing that you can do for yourself right now. Stepping back, taking a breather, maybe go for a walk or your journal. (laughs) So, um, man, I, I'm, I have been that person so many times. So I relate to it 100%. And I'm kind of glad to have a little age and experience under my belt now to be able to look back at those moments and just say that didn't serve me well when I did that. So yeah. yeah. And it's usually not serving those around you well either. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. So this is, it's, this is yeah. psychology. I mean, <laughs> and uh, counseling is, it's is be what... called girls gone therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so you learn so much on the bike, right? And learn so much yeah, about totally about those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. Well, um, this is all great information. And I think, like I said, for anybody that's like wanting to tackle anything that seems like if it's a six day gravel ride in Northwest Arkansas, or if it's like doing your very first event, there's really great training tips in here. And I think like taking some pieces of that and consistency, hard, hard, easy, easy. Um, Add some stuff like add a heart rate monitor and you'll get a lot of information from that. Um, Mm -hmm are some of my big takeaways from this conversation mm-hmm. and be nice. And to stress yourself. is stress. Yeah. Stress is stress. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Definitely. You still coach, correct? I do. Yeah. So if people are like, oh shit, now I need a coach. <laughs> How can I get <laughs> <touch> with you? <laughs> you know, what's funny is um, I have no website. <laughs> I, I don't actively recruit. Um, it's a word of mouth thing for me. So if you find me on Instagram, and shoot me a message. I'm happy to, you know, start up a dialogue. I 
I'm not as, you know, outward facing with my coaching anymore, but I'm, I am happy to help, you know? So for sure I'm here if someone needs just a sounding board of any kind. That's fantastic. And then you said if they sign up for the event, there's a 20 week training plan, correct? Yeah, it's, they can add it on. Yeah. It is a little additional purchase item. Um, cause not everybody wants it or needs it, but it's there and you don't have to sign up to get the plan. If you no. wanted to get it to support some other cycling goal, it's going to help you build a really strong fitness foundation for any cycling endurance event. Yeah. And I, that's like another big piece is like, find a plan and don't just show up on your bike and do something every day. Like you buy a plan online. <laughs> yeah. if you go to uh, we just had Kate Cross on a few weeks ago. She talked about how Trainer Road has been mm-hmm. a great coach for her or a coach, yeah. whatever that is, whatever's in your budget. But you're going to get so much out of like actually having something to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, uh, where can people find you if they want to stalk you on Instagram? <laughs> um, so I am on Instagram at Scotty underscore Moody. And then, um, the Arkansas graveler is Arkansas underscore graveler. And, um, you can find me on either of those. Awesome. And did awesome. you say the, of the Arkansas graveler? Say that one more time. Did Sorry. you say the dates of the Arkansas graveler? Oh, it's, um, June 23rd through 28th of this year. So if you're looking for that adventure, this is the perfect time to sign up and get a training program. Yep. Start your training. Yes. Yes. Hopefully we will see some of the unbound crowd come our way to Arkansas after they've slayed Kansas terrain. (laughs) (laughs) It's a recovery ride. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for imparting all of your coaching wisdom to us today and for catching up with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's been so good to talk to you guys. You have been listening to the girls gone gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.